Catholic commentary. Spiritual warfare. Stay ready so you don't have to get ready. Jesus 911. Soul Patrol, Jesus 911. Blessed Virgin Mary, pray for us. Our Lady of Fatima, pray for us. It's May, it's, it's spring in North America. The flowers are beginning to bloom. The earth is fresh and, and new, which just symbolizes new life. And uh, we hope you had a hope you had a holy, happy Mother's Day. I sure did here in the Romero in the Romero household. And uh, I'm waiting for my my buddy Paul Clay to call in so we can uh, start today's show. We're going to be talking about. I'm on, Jess. I'm on. Okay, Paul, uh, uh, welcome, bro. And uh, I'm glad you're ten eight. And uh, it's going to be a good show today. We're going to talk about the most evil man, arguably one of the most evil men in the world today. He's a young scientist. Name Yaval Noah Harari. He's a transhumanist. He's a practicing homosexual. He's a Jew, and he's a top advisor to Klaus Schwab and the World Economic Forum. This guy, when he talks, all it does is remind me of the spirit of the Antichrist. This is uh, the devil personified Mr. Engineer. Can you play the clip? Okay, you're going to be listening to Dr. Yuval no Harari, top advisor to Mr. Evil, Klaus Schwab. And uh, they look at all of us as human beings. They say that we're simply hackable animals. And they have the arrogance to want to re-engineer God's creation. That's, what, that's uh, where we're at right now in world history. What he's talking about yeah. in this video, and you, you can play whenever you want, Rich. I'll just, uh, but he's talking about actually... In the past, many tyrants and governments wanted to do it. But nobody understood biology well enough, and nobody had enough computing power and data to hack millions of people. Neither the Gestapo nor the KGB could do it. But soon, at least some corporations and governments will be able to systematically hack all the people. We humans should get used to the idea that we are no longer mysterious souls. We are now hackable animals. Data might enable human elites to do something even more radical than just build digital dictatorships. By hacking organisms, elites may gain the power to re-engineer the future of life itself. Because once you can hack something, you can usually also engineer it. And if indeed, we succeed in hacking and engineering life, this will be not just the greatest revolution in the history of humanity. This will be the greatest revolution in biology since the very beginning of life four billion years ago. For four billion years, nothing fundamental changed in the basic rules of the game of life. All of life, for four billion years, dinosaurs, amoebas, tomatoes, humans, all of life was subject to the laws of natural selection and to the laws of organic biochemistry. But this is now about to change. Science is replacing evolution by natural selection with evolution by intelligent design. 
not the intelligent design of some god above the clouds, but our intelligent design and the intelligent design of our clouds, the IBM cloud, the Microsoft cloud, these are the new driving forces of evolution. And at the same time, science may enable life after being confined to, for four billion years to the limited realm of organic compounds, science may enab enable life to break out into the inorganic realm. So after four billion years of organic life shaped by natural selection, we are entering the era of inorganic life shaped by intelligent design. So does the data about my DNA, my brain, my body, my life, does it belong to me or to some corporation or to the government or perhaps to the human collective? Humans are now hackable animals. You know, the, the whole idea that humans have, you know, this, they, they have this soul or spirit and they have free will and nobody knows what's happening inside me. So whatever I choose, whether in the election or whether in the supermarket, this is my free will, that's over. Free will, that's over. That's over. Over. Today, we have the technology to hack human beings on a massive scale. Yeah, I mean, everything is being digitalized. Everything is being monitored. In this time of crisis, you have to follow science. It's often said that you should never allow a good crisis to go to waste because a crisis is an opportunity to also do re good reforms that in normal times people will never agree to. But in a crisis, you see we have no chance. So, 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 so let's do it. Vaccine won't help us go the to the test, of course. The vaccine will help <laughs> us, of course. It will make things you know, more manageable. Surveillance, people could look back in 100 years and identify the coronavirus epidemic as the moment when a new regime of surveillance took over, especially surveillance under the skin, which I think is maybe the most important development of the 21st century, is this ability to hack human beings, to go under the skin, collect biometric data, analyze it, and understand people better than they understand themselves. This. I believe, is maybe the most important event of the 21st century. One of the features of this fourth industrial revolution is that it doesn't change what we are doing, but it changes us. The difference of this fourth uh, industrial revolution is it doesn't change what you are doing, it changes you. If you take a genetic editing, right. uh, just as an example, it's you who exactly. are changed, yeah. and of yeah. course this has a big impact on yeah. your identity. Yeah. And offer certain kinds of possibilities that have to be careful about. You know, yeah. when, you began to, when you began to do that kind of gene editing, some people worry that you are changing what it means to be human. That's the problem. And, yeah. uh, I, it, uh, of course, the new uh, Industrial Revolution offers us many opportunities that it raises many fold questions on the ethical, but even legal uh, implications. And we have to be prepared for it. And that's what we want to do in Davos next year. Talk about technology and how the ways it can be deployed, uh, you know, that contribute to growth rather than exacerbate unemployment. How will that implement itself? It's a big question mark because uh, there is a fear 
that uh, technology, robots, uh, just to take yeah. one. Yeah. You gain element. productivity from machines. Exactly. And it replaces maybe um, the workforce or jobs faster than we can replace them with the new jobs. Uh, not everybody can be a robot polisher and so yes. on. So yes. there will be new jobs. Well, there you go. You listen to the two most evil men on mm. planet Earth. Uh, Yuval Harari and Klaus Schwab. This is as a result of atheism. Uh, atheism leads you to all kinds of rabbit rabbit holes, down all kinds of rabbit holes. Because when you believe that uh, we come from evolution and that we are continuing to develop, this is what they call transhumanism. That the human race yes. can continue to evolve. We're not evolved yet. Homo sapiens are not the finality. We're not evolved, according to these two scientists. There's, uh, we have physical and mental limitations. So what they want to do, by means of science and technology, they want to create a new human called a transhuman. And these two scientists are at the very forefront of all this, Paul. Yes. Where can I begin on this subject? Yeah. You know, it, it, as incredible as it sounds, for those listening, I'm sure there, there's a few uh, Austin Powers fans out there who, who remember the Austin Powers movies, right? Well, there was a character in there, Dr. Evil. And Dr. Evil, you know, the bald-headed guy, he, yeah. you know, and he, he had another character, and he was called Mini-Me. Well, that's who these guys remind me of, Dr. Evil and Mini-Me. Mm, okay? Good analogy. But the – yeah. But the reality is, yes, here, here's the reality that a lot of people, you know, uh, you know, it, it may be escaping them. Um, it's uh, Solomon says there's nothing new under the sun. Right. And uh, I, when I when I hear these things and I wonder, I get it. You know, when we read in Genesis and we talk, you know, we read a there's a chapter in Genesis and it talks about how the sons of God who often are you know are referred to angels in the in the in the old testament uh you know they saw the daughters of men and they were desirable and they decided to uh marry with them and of course uh you know uh as it you know lays it out in the book of enoch uh which is not scripture but it, it lays it out that that uh you know somehow the the human um genetic code was altered in some kind of way and uh you know essentially you know this this angered god to the point where he destroyed the world in a massive flood now yep. uh, now now as you know Jess, there's people who hold that viewpoint yeah that, right uh, right you know it, you know that 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 this is a possibility and of course there's people that say no angels are spiritual beings and you know human beings you know they they can't mix with human beings but here's the reality. You, you've you often told me, Jess, of something. Well, well, we'll pick it back up on the other side of the break. I hear the music, but I want to talk, I want you to talk a little bit about perfect possession, Jess. And then, got it. And I, and, and I want that to lead into what I'm going to finish saying. You got it, partner. We got, uh, we're talking uh, about the two most evil scientists on planet Earth. By the way, ho hope you had a happy, holy, blessed Mother's Day yesterday. Uh, month of May. This is the month of Mary. Pray for us. We'll be right back. Now, back to Jesus 911.
If this call is not an emergency, dial 888-526-2151. Jesus 911, transhumanism is the 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 final goal or the finality of of uh, Darwinian evolution, which I call the devil's gospel. We're talking about the two most evil scientists on planet Earth, Klaus Schwab, who runs the World Economic Forum, and Yuval, Yuval Noah Shir- uh, Harari, who's his uh, second in command. He's basically his advisor. Paul, when you hear the things that these guys have to say, these men have to say, it is so evil. It's it it just makes your head spin. Yeah. And in the in Catholicism. In the field of spiritual warfare, there is a term known as perfect possession. Perfect possession means that a person, a human being, his will is so aligned with that of a demon that you couldn't tell by looking at him that he was perfectly possessed. He just looks, looks like you and I, you know, watering his you know front yard, washing the car, saying hi to your neighbor, going to work nine to five, maybe he's a CEO, having a couple of kids. Somebody who's perfectly possessed, there's absolutely no outward physical manifestations that they are possessed at all because there's psychological compatibility between that person and the demon. And so the demon completely stays mute and silent, but there's a constant running narrative in the person's brain, in the person's head, filling him with all these evil, vile thoughts I believe, just by listening to these guys for the last couple of years, I believe that uh, Klaus Schwab and Yuval Harari are perfectly possessed. Number one, uh, I can defend what I just said, but because the sacrament of baptism, what it does, it's a minor exorcism. The sacrament of baptism, it removes the diabolical. It, it, it uh, makes you from you know, the son of wrath, the sons of, uh, the sons of Adam to the son of God. Well, I know Yuval Harari, he's not, he's not baptized. I don't know about Klaus Schwab, but uh, once again, I don't think they have any prayer or faith-filled life or sacramental protection just listening to them talk, Paul. Yeah, and Jess, what I was getting at uh, before the break is, and I'm just posing this out there because, I mean, you take what the sacred scripture says, there's nothing new under the sun. You take what sacred scripture says, that it will that it, at the end it will be like the days of Noah, where mm-hmm. evil is continually on the heart of man, continually day and night, right? And so when you understand that, well, how is this going to be like the days of Noah? Well, um, uh, like I was saying earlier, there is uh, uh, there there are certain scholars who right. truly believe that somehow the genetic code of humanity was tainted with by these fallen angels, you know, which resulted in God destroying the world in a flood. Now, if you hold that view, it's not a stretch to think that, well, once again, we, uh, you know, and and how could they have done that? Well, they could have done it through perfect possession. I mean, uh, let's just say a demon perfectly, because we know they have knowledge. We have they have knowledge far beyond what we have. Absolutely. We know that there were marvels done in the ancient world that we we still scratch our head. How did they do these things? Uh, so we really don't know uh, to what extent, you know, they, you know, they really, you know, how technologically advanced they were. And if right. they were somehow able to manipulate the genetic code, 
and you know, and they believe that you know, of course, that it manifested in the form of giants like Goliath of Gath and others. Uh, mm-hmm. Evidence they believe there's fossil evidence, uh, you know, indicating that uh, you know that between the fossil evidence and between the records of ancient civilizations that all claim these giants existed, right? Right, right. Um, well, all I'm saying is, is that you know, once again, and like you said, Paul, geez, Goliath of Gath is a perfect example. Yeah. So, if, you know, if somebody argues that, no, there's no giants, that's a metaphor while well, saying, no, First Samuel 17, yeah. there's, there's a giant, and it wasn't, uh, it was in recent times. His name was Goliath of yeah. Gath. Yeah. And so, uh, yeah, all, uh, you know, and you can read, you know, we've all read the different uh, articles that were, you know, from in the, the early part of this country in the 1800s when people dug up huge skeletons and things like that and supposedly shipped them off to the Smithsonian Institution where they were never found again, you know. Uh, but the bottom line is is that man is continually trying to uh, uh, involve himself in things that he has no business involving himself in. And now whether he's doing it of his own accord or whether he's doing it of course, we believe that it's demonically inspired, and it, and it's in, demonically inspired mm-hmm. because why? Man was created in the imago day, in the image of God, and Satan hates man because he hates God, and he hates the fact that man was given something that he was not. Absolutely, Paul. I'm tracking with you exactly, and uh, we also know that. Both when you listen to both these scientists speak, these guys are full of themselves. In other words, I mean, they're full of the sin of pride. And we know that the church teaches that the fall of Lucifer, the original sin of Lucifer, was a sin of pride. Well, these two guys, when you hear mm-hmm. them talk, Paul, these guys are pompous. Oh, yeah. These guys are full of themselves. Oh and, my and, goodness! Just yeah, yeah. Just listen to some of the. You know, they talk about you know intelligent design. Uh, uh, you know, and not the intelligent design of some god in the clouds. You can just hear the disdain. You know, oh, yeah. that you know, and then you know, and then he says, uh, but you know, more like apple cloud, or you know what I mean, more like you know, like uh, the cloud where we store you know all this information, you know, by um, uh, f- through computers. Uh, he, you know, he, you know, he again, what you see here is this theme and you can see it through scripture where man says i reject you god and i you know and we then take the place of god and yeah. which is no god of all but we what we try to do is replace god and and by the way and i've always said this you know the the number for the antichrist is 666 right man was created on the sixth day and i said mm-hmm. you might as well say the antichrist is is is, is some kind of a Humanity on steroids, uh, uh, connected with mm. the diabolical. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. That, that, that's my my take on it. Yeah. And, well, this uh, this guy yeah. Yuval Harari. You know what's very painful is this guy's a, he's he's a Jew, so this guy's wow. you know this guy's part of the line that's of Abraham, crazy. Isaac, and Jacob, yeah. and and Yuval Harari is a very influential figure in modern politics. Wow. His, his his ideas and his beliefs are, they're taken serious by all the all the elites. And he's a staunch, godless, secular humanist, and he's infiltrated the he's infiltrated. I would say the highest places in Judaism. Why? He's a lecturer at the Department of History in the University Hebrew University of Jerusalem. 
And uh, and again, one comment to that, Jess, how the mighty have fallen. Mm, Yeah. And and, uh, it's it's, here's another coincidence. Uh, I've read that he's written five books and they're all, you know, godless, secular humanist books that are pushing the transhuman agenda. What's interesting is that there was another Israeli by the name of Moses who also wrote five books about God, the Pentateuch. So Yuval Harari, he wrote five books that describe a godless worldview. Uh, you know, you juxtapose that with Moses who wrote five books giving us a biblical mm. worldview. Good. I just, I just find that kind of interesting. Yeah, listen. Listen to his words. Free will is over. Really, Jess? Free will is over because he declares it? He says, we have the technology and the ability to hack hu- human beings on a massive scale. What do you think about that, Jess? And if he's saying that it, they have the ability to do that, trust me, if somebody has the ability to do that, it's because they're going to do that. Not because it's just a theory. It's because yeah, this is... Telegraphing his intentions. Yeah, it's like in boxing, telegraphing your punches. You push your, you cock your shoulder back. And this guy's exactly letting us know what's up next. Yeah, Paul, the, this guy, um, Mr. Evil uh, Klaus Schwab and uh, Dr. Uh, Evil Yuval Harari, both of these guys... Uh, they, they're, they're all part of the, the World Economic Forum transhumanist agenda. And, wow. uh, and, the, and they believe, again, they believe that we human beings are just nothing but hackable animals. Yeah. And they want to re-engineer God's creation. Another yeah. thing about Yuval Harari is uh, he's a practicing homosexual, which uh, that, that throws another uh, monkey wrench in the mix. And I'll tell you why. It's because, at least for Catholics, You'll have, uh, you know, Catholics uh, like St. Jerome. St. Jerome said very early on, he said, you'll never find uh, a heretic who embraces chastity. So St. Mm-hmm. Jerome, a church father back in the 4th century, talking about Catholics, he'll say all, Catholics, all Catholic heretics do not embrace chastity. Well, uh, I'm not saying that Yuval Harari is Catholic, but he comes from the, the, the religion of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. He's an, he's even he's a Jewish heretic. He doesn't even hold to what what the 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 the, the, the Judaism teaches well, in terms of, of the one course, tr- of, yes. yeah. And so again, I think the same applies to him because he does live an unchaste lifestyle. Mm-hmm. There's an intellectual blindness. Uh, you know, you'll have you, you know Father John Harden, great uh, Jesuit that died in the 70s, servant of God, Father John Harden. He says he says sexual sin. Uh, is is the most powerful blinding agent to the intellect, and I of think I, I think Yuval Harari he he suffers from his he's blinded by sexual sin. Yeah, Jess, his he, his lifestyle is it, it is blasphemous. Yeah. It's not just uh, you know uh, you know he's just living some you know uh, you know he's completely out of the bounds, and it's an affront to God. Okay, that's exactly you know what he what he you know what he what he depicts in his lifestyle. So when God created man, he created him male and female, and he blessed them. And he and he and he and he, and he told he said, "Be fruitful, multiply, and fill the earth." There is nothing you, you know uh, that lifestyle we know basically ends in death because there is no multiplication there there is no family that uh, you know created in the image of god uh there is simply uh it is simply um man choosing to fulfill his lust in in 
in a disorderly fashion uh, as he chooses, and that's and that, that's essentially. I mean, you you mentioned before how um, you know it began with uh, evolution. Just it just goes to show you how error. It, you know, oh, when Darwin proposed his theory of you know natural selection and the theory of evolution, it may have sounded like well, you know, uh, well, you know, he's just kind of uh, you know introducing some other ideas we're just looking at other possibilities you know but we see as these as that bullet travels down throughout history now we're to the point of transhumanism being a a a a real possibility in their minds and them asking and posing questions like does your dna belong to you or does it belong collectively to humanity or to the government these are scary thoughts, Jess. You know, it reminds me of the great Russian author, uh, Dostoevsky. He said, if there is no God, then anything is permitted. We're looking mm-hmm. at a, cat, a classic example of uh, two mm-hmm. scientists who don't believe in God. As far as they're concerned, anything is permitted. Jesus 911, hey, we're going to talk about uh, the origin of public schools. Catholic schools, Protestant schools, the, the, uh, the basically a little history on education. We'll be right back. Now, back to Jesus 911. If this call is not an emergency, dial 888-526-2151. Soul Patrol, Jesus 911, two-man car. My name is Jesse Romero, Paul Clay. Hope you had a happy, holy Mother's Day. Uh, and then remember that uh, the month of May is the month that uh, we honor the Blessed Virgin Mary. Uh, pray your rosary every single day. Call upon the intercession of the Queen Mother, uh, the most powerful intercessor on, on, on planet Earth of, of any human being in, in God's cosmos of creation. Paul, as I look at education today, we're going to talk a little bit about public schools. I, I, I'm just remembering what... Archbishop Fulton Sheen said back in the 1970s, he said, the purpose of education is training in the right use of freedom. I'll repeat that again. Mm. The purpose of education is training in the right use of freedom. It seems wow. like a, what we've, a wise you know, statement. Yeah, we've departed from that. And our, it, it also makes me laugh, Paul, because uh, a lot of secularists, they they quote Socrates and and they say uh, Socrates said the following about education. He said this quote: "When we are all educated, there won't be sin anymore and evil in the world." Close quote. Now I don't know about you, Paul, but that's kind of a laughable statement. Think about what Socrates said. It's like when we're all educated, there won't be a, a sin anymore and evil in the world. All I could say is. Mm. Uh, the more education people seem to have, it seems to be as if evil continues to perpetuate. Education hasn't been... Uh, the only thing that can stop evil is the gospel of Jesus Christ. Okay? Not, not, not public school education. It's adhering to the gospel of Jesus Christ. <clears throat> if you think people that are educated are going to evolve and become better people, some of the worst people on planet Earth, like uh, Adolf Hitler and... Uh, uh, Saddam Hussein and and, uh, and uh, uh, Joseph Stalin all had PhDs, okay? So in, in, in case you're thinking that uh, education is the key, 
not not hardly. Let me share some of the things that, that are in this article, and we'll make some comments. One article here is called, Why Catholics Didn't Go to Public School Back Then and Probably Shouldn't Now. <clears throat> Got some pretty good information in there. One, it says here, Catholic schools have been part of the American experience possibly since 1606 when Franciscans mm. landed with the explorers of St. Augustine, Florida, but not always part of this country's public education. I've been in that parish. There's a, the oldest Catholic church uh, in the U.S., was built around 1606. Wow. So, yeah, it is insane. It, it was, you know, way before, uh, yeah, way before uh, the, the pilgrims even landed here in, in on uh, the East Coast. Plymouth, Plymouth Rock. <laughs> yeah. But the Puritans landed in England and began to set up their city on a hill or the new Israel. Since the central tenet of their faith was ridding the world of Catholicism, their laws included numerous prohibitions against Catholics and Catholicism, including the death penalty for priests, Prohibition from elected office, additional taxes for Catholics, and other provisions which effectively prohibited uh, Catholics from living in New England at the time. What's not mentioned here in the article in the 13 colonies when the Protestants came over here and some Catholics, Catholics were my minority, they were relegated to all live in the state of Maryland. And that's why the, the Protestants called it Maryland. Maryland. <laughs> yeah. If you were Catholic, you could not live in any of the 13, 12 colonies other than Maryland. That's why in Baltimore, Maryland, is the first diocese of the Catholic Church in America. And that's where we got the infamous uh, catechism that you and me were trained on, Paul, the Baltimore Catechism from Baltimore, yeah. Maryland. Wow, that, that's, all, that's interesting stuff. And to understand, they had such hatred, such, uh, uh, you know, toward our Blessed Mother. You know what I mean? That they, they wanted, hey, that's, that's, a, that's the scarlet letter I'll wear proudly just you know that you can you know you can label me as a you know as a, a mama's uh, boy you know a mama's boy that's just what i was thinking <laughs> <laughs> now here's what here's where the turn gets interesting the article says there's a man by the name of horace Mann. horace Mann had grown up in a strict and dour version of the puritan faith then converted to unitarianism as an adult horace Mann became interested in reforming the school system in massachusetts he was wildly successful, and his ideas ended up spreading across the country. He's now considered the father of the American public education system. Mm. Man's education reform included the, the requirement that all children attend school and that the curriculum included instruction on the Bible. However, being a Unitarian, he did not believe the Bible would be inerrant. He established a non-sectarian approach to Bible instruction. In other words, he focused on the things on which all or most Christians agreed and avoided parts of the Bible where various denominations disagreed. In yeah, essence, so in other words, yeah. he, he picked and chose just the parts that he liked, you know? Yeah. So this is, this is the etymology of the public school system. I'm just taking parts from the article. It says, in essence, Horace Mann reformed the American culture by designing a school system to which every American youth was required to attend. In addition to a cursory religious education, students were taught to be upstanding moral citizens and hard workers. When the Catholic bishops saw this, that this, was not go that this was going to harm faith and families, they quickly concluded that it was time for a large Catholic school system as well, kind of as a counter. The immigrants entering the U.S. in the mid to late 1800s were mostly Catholic, and almost all of them were also very poor and educated. They would have been very susceptible to leaving the Catholic faith in a Protestant culture which still looked down on Catholicism and which ran a school system which was designed to assimilate children into a Protestant culture. Horace Mann's model 
still prevails in the public education system in the U.S. However, the U.S. is no longer Protestant, nor is it Christian. This brings us to the reason why Catholic schools are the perfect answer to today's problems. Catholic schools were designed to keep parents in the role of primary educators of their children with regard to faith and morals, to support the family, and to avoid the loss of the Catholic faith through the assimilation into the Protestant melting pot of American culture. All of these purposes are still highly relevant, though the melting pot is no longer Protestant, it's now mostly pagan. In reality, Satan is, re- is really alive and well in many public schools. Unfortunately, many Catholic schools struggle to deliver an authentic and faithful Catholic experience these days. However, this is not necessarily the fault of the school. I believe it is usually the result of the lack of authentic living out of the, of the faith by Catholic parents and families who send their children to that school, to that Catholic school. The schools decline in its ability to or interest in transmitting the faith is usually the result of years of apathy within the homes and the lives of the individual Catholics associated with the school. The key is to be of the primary educator of your own child, especially fathers, with regard to faith and morals, which of course presumes that you're living the faith and actually know why you believe what you believe. Finally, for some of us, this means we have to homeschool our children. Homeschooling is perfectly compatible with the Catholic faith. As a matter of fact, prior to, 18, to about 1850, Nearly every Catholic school child was homeschooled in the U.S. because Catholics were either excluded from schools or no school existed. And the last thing I'll mention about the article I'm just picking here. The way we get there is by deepening our faith as parents and by living the faith, our faith as families. When we assume our role as a primary educator of our children, Catholic school education will work as it is designed and it will work well. At that point, the only question will be, do we send our kids to Catholic school or do we homeschool? Public education will be out of the question unless the, unless the parents live in a location where no Catholic school exists and they're not capable of homeschooling for one reason or another. A lot said there, Paul. We'll just talk about uh, your comments. Uh, uh, yeah, my comments, Jess, are... Um, Take your you time. Know, uh, yeah, I, I, to some extent, I agree with the author of the article. But, you know, of course, parents are in that primary educator role of their children. There's no doubt about that. But uh, the one thing that he tends to understate is the fact that many, many, many of our Catholic or parochial schools have essentially, uh, you know, because, you know, they have policies that say, I mean, now they have policies, you, you you don't have to be Catholic you know, in order to come in. And so they're introducing all of these ideas. Modernism. Anti-Catholic. Yeah, modernism has affected the church and not not just the schools, but the church as a whole, as we have, we've always talked about, yeah. you know. But 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 essentially, even even sending your kids to Catholic school these days, you know, uh, you know, you have to do it uh, cautiously because many of them are teaching um ideas and concepts that are contrary to the Christian faith. Absolutely. To prove what you're saying, to prove what you're saying, there's a a website. It's called uh, Cardinal Newman Guide to Catholic Colleges. That's the name of the website. Mm -hmm. It documents that there's 275 Catholic colleges and universities in the United States. It also documents that only 35 of them, 35, are faithful to the perennial teachings of the Roman Catholic Church as they exist. 35 Catholic colleges and universities 
are totally faithful to the timeless 2,000-year-old teachings of Catholicism. So what's 35 minus 275? That means, uh, what, 240 Catholic colleges and universities are modernists, full-blown modernists, where you have, again, uh, you have, you know, homosexual clubs, just like in, in, in public colleges, uh, yep. drag queen story hours, condoms dispensed in, in, in the clinics like Kleenex, oh. transgender bathrooms, bathrooms for Muslims so they can do their wash, their pure, pure ritual washings. You have, uh, you know, Planned Parenthood inside these public schools and public colleges. Yeah, they're a mess, Paul. Yeah, you mean, uh, yeah, yeah, you mean the private colleges? Yeah, the private colleges, right? right. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So, you know, I'll, I'll say it again, just as I said before, how the mighty have fallen. Mm -hmm. Okay. Mm -hmm. We have fallen so far from, you know, from the, you know, the, the high, you know, uh, position that we were. Uh, it's it's a shame, Jess. When I listen to those things, it's almost unbelievable. I remember when President Obama went. I think it was at Notre Dame where he went and spoke, and yeah. and they they covered up, you know, the name of Jesus. Yeah, anything Jesus, they covered it up. Are you kidding me? Are you kidding me? That would have at, been his, at his request. Yeah, yeah. Hey, and I would have said, you know, uh, you maybe you need to find another place to give your little speech. <laughs> uh, Jesus 911. Hey, we're going to continue talking about uh, public schools, Catholic schools, Protestant schools. How do we get here? Uh, Jesus 911. Remember, we're called to be great saints. Don't miss the opportunity. Now, back to Jesus 911. If this call is not an emergency, dial 888-526-2151. Soul Patrol, Jesus 911, two-man car. Jess Romero, Paul Clay, talking about schools, public schools, Catholic schools, Protestant schools. Paul, you, you, uh, you know a lot about homeschool. I mean, you homeschooled for years. You probably know a lot about public schools as well, as you know, everybody here in America. And you probably also maybe even had your stint in a Catholic school when you were a kid. So I think you've probably had your foot in all these different uh, schools at one point in time or another, right? <laughs> Most definitely, Jess. Uh, uh, homeschooling was, a, uh, you know, can be a, a very rewarding and a very um, uh, satisfying uh, way to go. Um, it does require a lot of work. Uh, it's not for the for the faint of heart, so to yeah. speak. <laughs> yeah. um, but uh, it is definitely doable. You know, they have all kinds of great curriculum out there that that uh, you know uh, you can choose to classically educate your children. Uh, but again, and you know, and all the while, while you know, not exposing them to uh, some of the uh, uh, the things that are going on in the schools out there. But I will 
say this, and, and I learned this through experience, uh, you know, just I didn't homeschool my kids um, uh, for the entire time. I, I, you know, I, you know, I listened to a lot of the criticisms that said, oh, you know, uh, you can't shelter your kids so much, you know, they have to be able to get along in the real world or whatever. Well, it's unfortunate, but uh, I did at some point put them back into public school. And that was like the worst thing I could have done because they were woefully unprepared for what they were exposed to. Yeah, I well, same, that, that's the that same thing happened in the Romero house, but we didn't put them in public school. We put them in Catholic school, and mm-hmm. you know when we look when we look back at it, my wife says we should have probably continued. They were, uh, but again, you know, just you know, youthful youthful things that you say, you know, if I would do it over again, this is what I would do. Yeah, uh, Paul, there's a Dr. William Bennett. He used to be the Secretary of Education under Ronald Reagan. He was a good, he's a good Catholic man. He wrote the book called The Book of Virtues. He said. Quote, all real education is the architecture of the soul. Think about that. All mm-hmm. real education is the architecture of the soul. Mm. How far we have fallen from that. Yes. And a lot of uh, people think that education equals morality. No, it doesn't. People say, oh, I got a college degree. I, you know, abortion's right. Education does not equal morality. Okay. The, the, remember, the, remember what we used to say when you educate the criminals, you only get a smart criminal. That's, that's exactly it. Yeah. Yeah. Because I'll tell you what the, what the young people are being educated in today. And it was documented in a book called, it's called the closing of the American mind by professor Alan Bloom. He said that the American education today, every student is a product of moral absolutes uh, that there is no such thing as moral absolutes. So Professor Alan Bloom in his book called The Closing of the American Mind, he says that's ba- essentially the education in the U.S. today in, in public schools and colleges, they push every single day upon the students that there is no such thing as moral absolutes and there's no such thing as objective truth. That's, well, that's public education today, Paul. Yeah, because listen... Because let's finish it. They say there's no such thing as God. So that there is no God, everything's on the table, right, Jess? That's what they that's their reasoning. And it makes sense from their standpoint of view. If there is no God, uh, there truly are no moral absolutes. It's whatever society deems uh, is palatable. Uh, but we know that, uh, you know, as people of faith, that there is a God, Jess, and that God, uh, there is a right and there is a wrong. And that when we choose to follow God and his ways, uh, uh, all our paths, uh, you know, no matter how bumpy they are, are, uh, are, you know, we we consider it joy. We consider it, uh, um, you know, there's a certain satisfaction there. There's a certain fulfillment as a human being. Uh, We were created, what did St. Augustine say, Jess? Uh, uh, You know, our souls are restless until they rest in thee. You see, that's the, you know, we're not just simply, uh, you know, a bunch of cells or like uh, Swab. What did he put us right next to the tomatoes? He said human beings and he put us right next to the tomatoes. You know, no distinction there. Right. No. But we have a soul. We have a, you know, a, a, you know, a soul and we are created in the image of God. And this is what the devil hates. And this is the big lie that he, the deception that he's brought about in our 
uh, education centers today. I mean, the demons are dancing when they realize the ridiculousness that comes out of the mouth of some of these professors. Oh, yeah. And Paul, you know what we have today in the typical public school? We have not only do we have you know homosexual clubs, we have satanic after school clubs. We have oh, we have drag queen story hour reading with drag queens uh, in the library. Condoms are dispensed like Kleenex. Uh, transgender bathrooms, school shootings, teacher sex predators, Planned Parenthood inside the public school. And I'll tell you, in part, some of this happened because we were, I think we were holding the line, as they say in the, you know, as uh, in the movie Braveheart, hold the line. We were holding the line up until about the early 60s. In 1962, the U.S. Supreme Court banned prayer in public school. Mm. So the line got weaker. Then the next year, the U.S. Supreme Court banned Bible teachings in public schools because the Bible was read as religious literature prior to 1963 in public schools. Mm. And during homeroom, everybody had this, like, it was just a simple, generic, non-denominational prayer that, that they prayed in homeroom. Mm-hmm. Both those were banned in 62 and 63. And then in 1980, something, another U.S. Supreme Court intervention into public schools, the U.S. Supreme Court banned and and called for the removal of the Ten Commandments from all public schools. And yeah. And, oh, and so goodness. what what do you have today, Paul? I mean, you, you, you have a society of, of young people that are moral relativists. They don't know their left hand from their right hand. They don't know right from wrong. Yeah, and Jess, and you left out one important marker there, and it doesn't have much to do with the schools, and I know you, you didn't really leave it out because you're talking about the schools, but in 1973, what happened? Roe versus Wade. Yeah, so they went from child abuse, in my opinion, by denying them the the you know uh, uh, you know uh, and 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 turning away from their responsibility to teach morality to children to Roe v. Wade, and you know less than ten years later they were killing children in the womb. You know what I mean? So you see this natural progression, Jess, and we've seen it in our lifetime. We grew up in the 60s and 70s, and even though it was considered a wild time, uh, it hadn't spread. That theme hadn't spread throughout the entire country. But as it spread rapidly, look at the decline of our country today. Look where we're at today. Children hate their parents uh, you know, you see the, you know, you see them uh, attacking anything religious. Uh, oh, it's just terrible, Jess. Yeah, Paul, I'm gonna, I'm gonna juxtapose two different eras in American history. I got here an article. It says a survey of high school principals in 1958 asked this question: What are the main problems among your students? The teachers answered, "Quote number one, not doing homework." Number two, not respecting property, throwing, throwing around their books. Number three, leaving lights on in the classroom and, and doors and windows open. Number four, throwing spitballs in class. Number five, running through the halls. The <laughs> same survey question was asked a mere 30 years later in 1988. The answers were start, startlingly different. Here are the main problems of today's high school students in 1988, 30 years later. 
Uh, first problem, number one problem, abortion. Second problem, HIV, STDs, and AIDS. Third problem, student rape. Fourth problem, drugs. Fifth problem, fear of, fear of violent death in school, murder, knives, and guns in schools. How things change with it. And, and th- that was in 1988. Imagine if that study was done right now, they would ask teachers, what are some of the main problems in schools today in, in 2022? The active shooters <laughs> in the school, you know. Uh, yeah, you know, Jess, yeah. you're, you're right. I'll, I'll say it again for a third time. How the mighty have fallen. You see, Jess, sin is a, a slippery slope. And uh, while, you know, when these ideas are being introduced, and it's a huge experiment, and like you said, all impacted by secular humanism yeah. and, and you know, and atheism, uh, once... Once you start heading down that slope, you know what I mean? It just, uh, you know, we all end up circling the drain. They are systematically dismantling society. They are systematically just, uh, you know, uh, we talk about we live in a post-Christian era. Well, we, you know, we are beyond that now. We are in an era now where we are, um, uh, again, creating something uh, I, the, the only thing I can liken it to is G- God says it'll be like the days of Noah, where, you know, well, well at, you have to remember the days of Noah, judgment was on the horizon. And guess what, Jess? We talk about it all the time. You tell me all the time. You believe that we are heading toward the end. No one knows when the end will be, but we are certainly knocking at the door. The birth mm-hmm. pangs are, uh, you know, have started long ago. Yeah, that's 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 my position. Uh, all I can tell everybody out there is remember, uh, Saint Padre Pio says, "Pray, hope, and don't worry. Worry is useless. Yeah. God is merciful. Yeah. God will hear your prayer." And remember, Christ already won the battle. Ooh, Christ conquers. Christ reigns. Christ commands, and Christ is coming back. Catholics, know your faith. Live your faith. Spread your faith. Make sure that before you die, you leave it all out in the field. Wake up, Catholics. Wake up to Jesus. Don't hit the snooze button because, hey, you're, you're on a great stage right now. Heaven and earth are watching you fight like a knight so that the Lord can reward us. And do not be unduly fearful because you are not alone. Jesus is always with Say us. Say it again, brother. Pray your rosary every single day. Go to Mass as often as possible. Read your Bible every single day. Go to confession at least once a month. And remember... Some of these demons that we're dealing with within our own families, they can't be driven out other than by prayer and fasting. Mark 9, 29. Catholics, keep your eyes on the ball. Keep your eyes on Jesus. Keep your hands on the steering wheel. Don't turn left. Don't turn right. Keep your eyes on Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith. And throughout the day, when you get stressed out, just just project a small arrow prayer into the sky and say, Jesus, I trust in you. Jesus, I trust in you. Jesus, I trust in you. In you. That's a wrap, Paul. Yeah, remember, even one with God is a majority. Up next, Gary Machuda, hands-on apologetics. Us two cops for Christ. We are EOW. End of watch. We're 10-7. We're out. God bless you. Keep the faith. Faustina's Prayer for Priests O my Jesus, 
I beg thee on behalf of the whole church, grant it love and the light of thy spirit, and give power to the words of priests, so that hardened hearts might be brought to repentance and return to thee, O Lord. Lord, give us holy priests. Thou thyself maintain them in holiness. O divine and great high priest, may the power of thy mercy accompany them everywhere and protect them from the devil.